0: Betamax, Max Crinkle dash Bill. <laughs> <laughs> we we need to follow up on this. Uh, I, 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 think, I I think we can safely say that that was a success. I I think so. I think most people really enjoyed it, which is which is really good. And do you know what? Uh, just to talk to listeners for a second, Bill? Bill is actually like I think Bill when he's on the podcast is quite tame in terms of his humor, um, but Bill in real life is actually way funnier than he is on the podcast. And I'm, yeah, no, man, you totally are. I don't know what it is. I think maybe you, I don't know, maybe you you double down on being kind of like a bit intellectual on the show. Whereas when you go silly in real life, it's just, it's the funniest thing ever. And I'm really glad that the listeners got to hear a little bit of silly, Bill. uh, (laughs) It's just, it's just it just melts my heart. It's great. (laughs) Uh, But the the thing I want to bring up about this is that uh, we got an email from uh, Michael Moore, a uh, notable documentarian, is that the word? <laughs> uh, who, uh, who, had, who built a Betamax Crinkle Dash generator. Um, and the links will be in the show notes, you can go check it out. The really fascinating thing about this is that they had to alter the rules that you set out because it looks like the rules that you set out in the last show are predicated on like there being a human executing the rules as in you need like human intuition to like be able to properly execute those rules but if you just put those rules coldly into a simulator into a generator it, it spits out complete garbage so uh it, it was a really interesting challenge for michael moore and i thought that was really fascinating that it's not just a simple case of build rules give to computer computer makes wonderful beta max crinkle dashes but
1: yeah uh yes well uh, they actually they they gave the rules that that they sent or sorry they gave the rules that they 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 built it on in in the message they sent us
0: they did do you want to outline
1: yeah so all words must be three syllables long not end in a vowel and have the stress pattern of primary non secondary so yebeda mm-hmm. Benedict words must start with a b a p or a v so all bilabials. Mm-hmm. Bilab- voiced by labial plosive voiceless by labial plosive and by labial voiced by labial fricative uh
0: not by labial not by hmm. no I oh be- la- labiodental i think so i'm i'm really bad at remembering the technical terms for these things hold on um yeah it's a labiodental fricative yeah cool well still similar
1: kind of method of articulation or <laughs> place of articulation <laughs> <laughs> And Cumberbatch words must start with a a k or a g, so that's a voiceless velar stop and a voiced velar stop.
0: Yes, I think yes, yes.
1: And end with a ch or a j. Um, I don't know how to describe those kind of affricates. Um, yeah, you I, can hear what the sounds are. You can figure it out yourselves.
0: <laughs> yeah. and those, those last two you didn't include last time. They were not part of your recommended set.
1: That's. True, actually. I think, yeah, I think that's correct. I didn't, I didn't yeah. specify the, the African at the end.
0: So, yeah, yeah, because, again, I, I messaged Michael and was like, why don't you just put in Bill's rules straight up? And apparently it threw back absolute garbage. And, again, I think that's the fascinating thing here, uh, that it's like, the, you're like you like there is something special about humanness right now in terms of, like, technology, and you need a bit of humanness to execute this game correctly. And I thought that was really, really interesting.
1: I like I like um, counterpoint though because it does it satisfies two of my three rules if we bend the the voicing of the first sound a little.
0: Mm, mm. Uh. Hit, hit generate again.
1: Business like Greenavalt. <laughs> well, isn't that a turn up for the books?
0: Wait, business like gr- Green Greenavalt. Well,
1: G-R-E-E-N-A-W-A-L-T. Let's see what that word A-W-A-L-T. means.
0: W A L T. That's shockingly close to my second name.
1: Exactly. That's why that is a term for the books. It's oh. just a surname. I don't think there's any other... I don't think there's any non-proper noun meaning to it. Wow. Um,
0: yeah. Karina that's, Val. That's crazy. And I'm quite business-like, Bill.
1: I've always thought so. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Anyway, everyone should go check out the uh, generator uh, and go tweet at Michael Moore or something. Find him on the internet uh, and let, and tell him thanks because I think it's really cool. It's always really cool when people uh, feel uh, compelled to make stuff for the show. I think it's class and I yeah. love getting like, creative projects from people. It's awesome. So go check it out.
1: And if you want to play the parchment-like cogitate game... Um and impress your friends with how many different versions of permutate cloverleaf you can come up with, then you should really check out Michael's Vandermark caffeinate generator.
0: <laughs> Vandermark caffeinate. <laughs> oh man, I don't know, I, man. It was the one, the last. It was just the Betamax thing. The be, the word Betamax just just completely got to me. Like, it's just I don't know, I don't know what it was about the word Betamax. <laughs> it just it was just great. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, speaking of uh creative projects mm-hmm. listener listener made creative projects and um, a couple of people have been messaging me and being like hey is there any way that uh, we can send uh stuff to you and like physical stuff um and i had talked ages and ages ago about getting a p.o box now mm-hmm. it, ter- it turns out that getting a PO box PO box is not financially viable. Like it costs like some, I think it was like three four hundred euro a year to maintain this PO box, and I was like, that that's that's a bit too much now. Like <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, it, but there is an alternative option, and I've set this alternative option up. It's called like a uh, an address pal system, and what it is is you. I
1: was about to suggest that.
0: Oh, were you? Oh, so you know what it is? So I think so. TLDR for, for for the listeners is it's it's like a PO box except it's uh you get people to send stuff to a separate address um uh, like a hub sort of place and then from that hub uh, they send you the, your packages basically I, I suppose it's
1: forwarded to you from there
0: yeah and I suppose it's a way of receiving mail anonymously without having to set mm-hmm. up a PO box which is kind of a, a good thing given the cost so. Uh, That is the thing that I've set up. Uh, If anyone wants to send stuff to us, uh, feel free to do so. I'll leave all the details in the the show notes. But just a warning, uh, there is cost on both parts here. So you're going to have to pay, you dear listener, are going to have to pay for shipping the thing to the UK because that's where the hub is. And then I'm going to have to pay to ship it from the UK to to me uh, or to us rather. Uh, so if you've got like a ambition to send like a life sized uh marble statue of Bill Polian, maybe think twice about that. Uh, I keep it to the little small things. Um, just just so no one breaks the bank, you know. Like this is kind of important. But yes, stuff in the description. Go check it out if you feel compelled. For to now. Stuff. For now.
1: I mean, like once once we have the money, I want that statue. <laughs>
0: Bill, you can pay for the delivery of your marble statue. It's cool. I'll leave it to you. I've I've no intention of paying for a marble statue to show up. Um, but yes, the the this, um, address is in the description, uh, and yeah, available if you if you so desire. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Cool. Uh, final point on uh, my thing. On follow up for me is um, voting systems. And one last thing on voting systems. I don't want to make a big thing out of this because it's been, I think this is the third show where we've talked about voting systems. But there's a really interesting voting system that came up in the Reddit this month. Uh, and it's essentially money equaling votes. Um, which immediately is kind of bizarre for people. This came from uh, Drosen Keep and... E dot price they kind of both independently came up with systems about this um and yeah the system basically is that uh money is literally a vote and there's like a, math, a bit of math that's applied to things to mitigate uh the power of the very wealthy and it's really interesting i'm gonna leave the thread in the show notes you should check it out Again, I don't. I'm not an expert, at this, so I don't actually know if this is a decent voting system or if it's just if it's interesting and terrible or is it actually really good? <laughs> I have no idea. But you should check it out in the show notes. It's very, very, very interesting. And following on from that, uh, uh, people created so again. It was one of the two, Jolson uh, Keep or E.Price Price created a similar similar sort of idea, like with the money being equal to the amount of power, and set up like an alternative uh, alternative UN where uh how many delegates you have is based on your gdp or is in part based on your gdp and they ran spreadsheets on the thing and it's just class so it, links in the show notes you should go check it out it is wonderful wonderful bit of mathematical nerdy world building i love it
1: yeah that was uh that was edot price
0: yeah yeah uh. It was great. So everyone should go check it out, have a read, and uh, let them know in the subreddit what you think of it. I think it's yeah, I think it's just a beautiful piece of, uh, of world building. Um, and those, Bill, are my follow up points. Excellent. Have you got anything on, on follow up to do?
1: Uh, I think that that covers everything I wanted to to talk about. Cool. Um. Oh no, actually, I want to talk a little bit about the. Uh, underground astrology.
0: Yes, yes, go for it.
1: Um, there were a few interpretations of what that might be. I'm just going to run through them really quickly. Now, now, for for, uh, those,
0: for those who might have missed the last show, what is a brief uh summary of what underground astrology was in terms of what you said last time?
1: So last week or last episode, <laughs> I say week every single time God we, damn it. we
0: have literally never made a weekly show <laughs>
1: we it, it has not happened at all in in the history of artifexian um last episode uh my writing uh, returned us to the world of handwavia and uh it was someone describing encounters with a group of people known as the bini
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they mentioned that the bini uh, possess a craft called underground astrology. Mm-hmm. They didn't know, the the author didn't know what this craft was, but it's something that is, they have heard been spoken of. Uh, and I left that open and uh, there's some very creative interpretations of what it might be. Um, so the first one here was uh, Joss Enkeep again, suggested that it's divination uh, based on reading bioluminescent organisms in underground pools. Hmm. Which I think is a very cool
0: idea. It's a very, it's a very, very neat idea. i Yes. It, it, can you give any sort of hint as to is to whether or not that's the correct, is it on the correct path?
1: Uh, I'll I'll cover all this at the end when I've, <laughs> okay. I've done my roundup. Okay. Okay. Um. Then Aster the Dragon suggested that it might be gem-based witchcraft in that gems come from underground and there are some. Uh, crystals and and minerals that react differently in different kinds of light and that maybe there was some kind of magical system uh building on that
0: jeez that's that's a leap god i would have never i would have never gone down that road that's really interesting
1: that's that's really good um and i do love steven universe so that would be an appropriate one for me
0: steven you you know what you what I need to do i need to watch steven universe <laughs> Can one watch Steven Universe in German? Is that a thing? Is Steven Universe on Netflix?
1: The first season is on Irish Netflix, yeah. I think it's it well it's it's in English, it may also be in German. Okay
0: because um, at the moment uh I am whatever any TV programme that's not like a combined viewing, like myself and the captain together, I'm attempting to watch it in German. I've been watching the unbreakable Kimi Schmidt or Unbreakable Kimi Schmidt or whatever it's called, uh in German. So if Steven Universe is available in German, I might give that a crack. Um, cool. Anywho, cool. anyway, we, we can have
1: a chat about about viewing orders and stuff uh, at another time. Um, oh
0: wait, hang on. But uh, not to get on a big tangent here. Is Steven Universe one of those things where it's all out of chronology?
1: Uh, no, not at all. Okay. Because uh, okay. it's, it's just daft. the the first few episodes aren't necessarily the strongest ones to start on. It had a little bit of a rocky start. Some fans think.
0: Oh, yeah, but again, man, again, I've said this before, coming from the Trek world, uh, where you can sit through several seasons of nonsense before it gets good, a couple of episodes Mm -mm. are not a problem at all for me. And the episodes
1: are 10 minutes long, so.
0: See, do you know what? That would be a problem for me, because I feel like, I I don't know, if I'm going to sit down and watch a thing, I want it to be long. Like, very often when I'm watching cartoons and they're 20 minutes long, I'm kind of like, I don't feel satisfied. And I Mm. I realize you you can watch another one, but I don't feel satisfied in the sense like the arcs don't feel big enough to make any sort of dramatic um, effect on me, to have any sort of dramatic effect on me. They're just these tiny, small sense. little arcs. Uh, but anyway, we're getting, we're getting sidetracked. We're already getting sidetracked. Tell, <laughs> tell me more about underground astrology. <laughs>
1: um, Vulcan Trekkie, uh suggested that it was based on half-remembered legends of the stars and their movements from a time that the Binni lived above ground.
0: That's class.
1: Yes. That, uh, um but uh, the Binni in fact do live above ground normally.
0: Oh okay, okay. Cause I I, I like that because it has it's like Game of Thrones esque where it's very kind of like realistic, do you know? Uh like there's mm-hmm. a bit of like fantasy to it, but like it it it's quite realistic. I, I really enjoy that one. I like Volcontrecki's suggestion.
1: And then finally, there's uh well this this was suggested by Death by Manga, but Keep <laughs> actually suggested something similar as well um that it's divination based on earthquakes or shifts in the vibration of the earth so you're predicting earthquakes
0: but how is that linked to astrology
1: um that it could be a weak translation um and that it's still used as a kind of as, as a similar sort of method of divination
0: okay 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 cool
1: um uh, so that was that was suggested by both Death by Manga and Jaws and Keep. Um, you can read that there. So uh, they, us- they feel the shakes in the earth, read cracks in the ground, and predict cavens. It's that kind of thing.
0: Hmm. So, tell us, Bill. Is anyone close? No one was correct. But the that
1: last point about the the vibration of the earth is close in some ways
0: oh on a scale of one to ten like one being way off and ten being your exact thing where how close are they mm. i know you don't like quantifying these things but just, just you know three rebuild. to four three to four okay so it's mm, interesting very interesting All right, again are you going to ever tell us uh,
1: it'll be it'll be revealed in the fullness of time yeah in the <laughs> Oh, this is such a vague statement. Like, maybe <laughs> when I write the first Handwavia trilogy of novels, it'll be the revelation at the end of the third novel.
0: Oh, man. Actually, uh, uh, tangent, right? Um, speaking... On this show. Oh, yeah. Who, who, who will phone? To be fair, though, we did very well with follow-up, so I feel like we have room for a few tangents. Um, speaking of writing uh, trilogies and, like, magnum opuses and all those sort of things, um, I... I think I figured out what my sort of world building, like, actual creation will be. Because I don't spend any time world building now. Like, people ask me the whole time uh, in in comments, uh, like, show us your world building or show us your conlangs. And, like, I don't do that anymore because, like, any time I would spend doing that is time taken away from making the video. So I kind of just teach uh, as opposed to Mm -hmm. actually doing And part of me thinks like that once I have done enough of artifacts and I feel like I've gained enough knowledge or whatever, uh, I'll sit down and try and make a good bit of world building fiction. But then the, the problem with that is like, I can't write. Like I'm a really bad writer and like writing a novel just would be a no, no go completely. But it hit me the last day, inspired by you and a guy called Dan Carlin, who has a podcast called Hardcore History. I think my sort of, like, retirement plan will be to create a world uh, and set stories in the world, but done, f- like, as an in-universe type thing that you do, but via the means of, like, a podcast type thing. Like, a historian r- relaying the events of of uh, of your world via the means of a podcast. Like, almost exactly like Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, for anyone who knows it. That is intriguing to me and I feel like I could actually pull that off whereas writing a novel would just be a total no go hmm so yeah so you've you've you've, ins- cool. you've inspired me man. I literally would have never even given this whole in-universe thing uh, a second thought until you've you know until you came along basically so it's class it's really good
1: yeah I'm, I guess I'm an inspiring kind of person really
0: <laughs> you are we all aim <laughs> to be more like Bill
1: and if you don't you should <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, so uh, how do we get here? We we went. Uh, what were we talking about?
1: I said that I might reveal what underground yes. astrology is as the the climax of the first Handwavia trilogy.
0: In the fullness of time.
1: In the fullness of time.
0: <laughs> Stay tuned, listeners. Um, anything else to add, or should we crack into some sh corner? Uh, let's crack. Let's crack. <laughs> Okay, so sh flag corner. I am seriously enjoying the way sh flag corner is going. In that, people are leaving suggestions for us, mm-hmm. Um, because this is cool, because this means that uh, uh, I at least get exposed to flags that I may not necessarily have thought of before. Like I have the whatever dozen or so terrible flags that are, that I consider to be my canonical terrible flags. But it's good to have that expanded. So please, please, please do write into us with truly terrible flags. Um, it would be much, much appreciated. So, we have two this month. Uh, we have one from uh, a Jonathan Fulcini and one from a Will Crocker, who sounds like he's straight out of a night's tale, which is class. Um, <laughs> so, from the one from Jonathan Fulcini is a flag from Uruguay, and specifically the one from the de, de, de Departamento de Trinta y Tres. I think is what it's called. Um so get it up there, Bill, and let me know what you think. I don't strongly dislike it. Do you know what man? I actually don't strongly dislike it either. It's not good, but I don't I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. It looks very Grecian to me. Um I don't know if that's va- oh, yeah, no, because like the left side looks very much like Greece and the right side kind of has a Cyprus sort of vibe to it. So it looks very Mediterranean. Um to me, but for the listeners, uh, this is a regular rectangular flag. Uh, it's divided into two halves. On the hoist, is it the? Yeah, it's the hoist, isn't it? The left side. Yes. Yeah. Uh, on the hoist, we have a white and blue stripy field, alternating mm-hmm. alternating, white...
1: alternating wavy lines of blue and white.
0: Yeah, alternating wavy lines of blue and white on the fly. Side of the flag, it is white with half a sort of uh, wavy type star uh, centered on uh, the center of the flag, but it's like it's cut in half, it's like half a star cent- uh, placed on the center, uh, and it's sort of this weird, uh, like, olivey, mustardy sort of yellow. It's a very uh, subdued yellow, and then in the center, we have a white circle with a gray dove. And a rose, uh, I'm assuming, a red rose uh, wrapping around an arc from about like two o'clock to like six o'clock. And that's the flag. And it's not bad. It's not good. It's not good at all. And I feel like uh, the the stripy, the, the blue and white stripes could have made one good flag. The white and yellow, the white background with the yellow star could have made another good flag. And the, as always, the seal I think is just superfluous to requirements, and I don't know why people insist on having seals and flags. But like, I give it like a like a six, no, four out of ten, maybe four out of twelve. Sorry.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's it's the worst. Um, like, it is a little bit on the busy side, and there's maybe one too many colors because in the center, in that seal in the center, there are three colors. There's the, the sort of gray dove the red of the flower and the green of the stem um and that overcomplicates things a bit mm. Mm. but that's i mean i think that's a little bit of a nit- nitpick
0: yeah yeah uh bill uh how mm-hmm. do you feel about people who think that white and black and all the varying shades in between are not colors
1: i mean that's just absurd <laughs>
0: genuine answer like do you think it's absurd because like i've had uh a literal what? designer uh tell me that like those aren't colors like you know if if, if you're well, co- uh, yeah. what yeah maybe
1: in some kind of technical sense like if you're going to be really pedantic about the very specific use of a term in a particular field it is not a color for that purpose right okay. but it's obviously a color like clearly it's a color
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I'm totally with that as well. I've, actually, I found it really weird that time when the person was like, yeah, we have a problem because, uh, black isn't a color. And I was like, what do you mean? Black isn't a color? Like, <laughs> have I been lied to my entire life? Of course, black is a color. Like what, why is it any less of a color than blue, for example? Um, but yeah, it's just, it's good that you're on my side. I was, I was hoping you'd be on my side. Anyway, so that was the, oh, do you want to give a rating for the, uh, the Trienta E Trez flag. It's a C-. Very interesting. A C-. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, now, the flag of Sydney. Now, I did know about this flag. This flag almost made it into the video, but I cut it because I felt like I was <clears> being <throat> way too harsh to Australians as is. This is <clears> the city flag of Sydney, or the, the city of Sydney flag, and it is an utter. Abomination. It's just... It's just so bad. It's so bad. Do you... Would you like to describe this to people? Like
1: might be overstating the case. Um, (laughs) Okay. So, I'm going to give this a go. Okay. Uh, It is... Rectangular flag. Uh, It looks... It looks like it might be...
0: Is that one to two ratio? It looks like a... Yeah, it looks like a two to one. It's quite... It's quite long.
1: Yeah. Um now it's divided uh let's let's look at the thir- the t- upper third of the of the flag first of all so the 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 upper third is a band which itself is divided into thirds vertically uh towards the fly there is a um there's arms taking up this kind of portion now, I don't know my heraldry well enough to describe this in proper heraldic languages, but there are three shells. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of a golden crescent moon mm-hmm. and then a white, is that a chevron? An inverted V taking up kind of the whole um, yeah. area of the arms.
0: I'd call that a chevron. Within which,
1: yeah, yeah so there's a white chevron uh, within which there's five little black designs. Again, I, I know this is a heraldic thing. I can't remember what the design is called um We have now covered one ninth <laughs> of the flag's surface.
0: So yeah, so, um, for, so that one ninth is in and of itself a flag,
1: right? In and of itself, a reasonably complicated flag,
0: right? Now that see, this is the thing the listeners need to get clear here is that this is this is going to be flag exception here. So we've described a singular flag, and we have only completed one ninth of this flag. So do you want to move on there, Bill? <laughs>
1: Okay, moving on. <laughs> we have in the middle third of the upper third uh, a white field with a red cross in it, so a kind of like a, a flag of Saint George. Yeah. Um, in the center of the the cross, however, there's a globe mm-hmm. with the oceans in blue and the land in sort of yellow gold. Um. And at some kind of design in white, it's it, the globe is centered on the Pacific, and there's some kind of design in white going from, say, the Bering Strait uh, down through the center of the Pacific and taking over a lot of the the South Pacific.
0: What, yeah, um, what on earth is that? Like it looks, I, it looks like shipping routes, but who would take a shipping route like that?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, like the you you wouldn't go, go like two thirds of the way. West around, or two thirds of the way east around the Pacific, and then like turn south and go head back. I mean, that wouldn't make yeah, any economic it's sense. Weird,
0: it's really strange.
1: Um, and then there's a, a sort of a wavy six pointed star at the north and south poles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um,
0: so that's flag number two. We are yeah, now we're,
1: we are two ninths of the way through the surface of the flag. <laughs>
0: uh, but don't worry, it's it's
1: we're getting there. Um. Now, at the fly of the upper third portion of this flag, um, we have a red field with a sort of yellow-gold chevron, a crescent moon at the apex of the chevron, three lions rampant.
0: Oh, very good, Bill. Well played.
1: Three lions rampant ore, because they're gold as well. Well done. Um, Then a... I mean it's a, kind of a, an arc just above the lions and and the the moon. Um a field of white uh, extending above that and in that field of white there's two I mean maybe they're meant to be roses I think they they like roses. little They're little kind of pentacles with uh, or I'd say pentagons with white pentacles within them which might be a sort of a stylized rose design. Yeah, um,
0: could be, yeah. Yeah. Flag. Okay, now. Flag, the, flag number the 3. Good,
1: Flag number three is done. The good news is we are one third of the way through this flag, and it gets a lot better from here.
0: Well, well, yes, it gets easier.
1: Okay, it gets a lot shorter to describe from here. (laughs) It does. The middle third, you know, if we divide it um, vertically, Mm -hmm. of the flag is this uh, gold-yellow color. Yep. The bottom third is blue. And centered in the flag, in this bottom two thirds, is a ship, um, a a three masted ship. It's not fully rigged because it has a, a spanker on the mizzen mast.
0: What's a spanker? Um,
1: uh, so you see, you see how there's three masts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the 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 first two each have two full sails, mm. so that would be the. The mainsail and the topsail
0: okay. on each
1: on each mast, but then the rear the rearmost mast, which is called the mizzen mast, doesn't have one. It has that kind of rudder sail that extends out behind it.
0: Okay, is
1: that's called a spanker.
0: Okay, so that sail is called the spanker.
1: That sail is. I'm pretty sure it's called a spanker. I'm a little bit rusty in my my uh, parts of the ship. I'm just going to check that. Make sure that's correct. Uh, spanker sail. Uh yes
0: yes okay cool yes, it's Very a gaff
1: rigged cool. fore and aft sail set from and aft of the aftmost mast yeah correct
0: the shipping like heraldry full of terms that are really really opaque
1: full of terms full of terms um and this ship is done in a fair bit of detail mm. uh you can see I guess those are gun ports near the top you can see the rudder. Uh, you can see some of the rigging um, and each of the masts is uh, topped by a pennant of St. George.
0: Now, now, uh, at the front of the ship, on the, I, I I don't have any ship in terminology, on the spiky bit that juts out at the front, whatever that, that thing bowsprit. is called. The What?
1: The bowsprit.
0: The, yes that thing like the thing that comes you know where there's usually like a, 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 a like a woman or something and then the thing comes out of like the top a figurehead whatever, yeah whatever yeah whatever that bit is like that might just be a normal one of those but there you could also say that that's a scottish flag down below there
1: yeah it, it could be a, a saint andrew salt area In, or it could be some kind of weird rigging thing
0: if it's, if it's a St. Andrew Salter, that means we have seven flags on this flag.
1: Well, we've got five, and one of them is repeated t- twice, like three times.
0: No, but we've seven we've seven instances of flag. They may not be unique okay. instances Well, actually, now how do you count this? Do you say that there's seven instances of a flag, or do you say that there's eight instances of the flag? Because the flag itself is a flag.
1: Whoa. <laughs> Dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I realize you had a late night last night, man, but I didn't expect your brain just to go. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: in, in post, in post, can you like. <laughs> Edit in, like, a bong rip sound there.
0: A, b- a bong rip? What is a bong rip?
1: Like, when you take a rip from a bong... It's, it's a drugs thing. Oh. I was trying to be...
0: It, it's, man, is that the actual terminology? Or or are you being, like, an old person? I mean, probably not anymore. I mean, like, I, oh, I'm i probably no. getting this from, like... Best
1: early bong. 90s ska music or something, so... Well, I
0: mean, the videos here uh, are... Oh no, biggest bong rip ever, 2017. So at least it was in use in 2017. Man, yeah, there we go. I fear getting old and like making faux pas of like, you know, uh Oh, did you hear I was listening to a podcast, right? And they were like actually, you no know what you know what, I'm not am not, not tangent, I'm not gonna do it, right? Um the listeners, listeners, this the the Sydney flag is clearly shit, right. It's awful, right? And I'm sorry, people from Australia, it's just it's the worst. But if you really, really want to go deep on terrible Australian vexillology, just look up any city flag from uh, from Australia. Uh, they're on Wikipedia. I'll leave a links in the show notes, and they're all crap. Like they're all just—it's just oh it's, Jesus! It's <laughs> just, just the worst collection. of Like one of the worst. And I should have put this in the actual video. Uh, apart from Adelaide, uh, aside from Adelaide, is the city of launchesten i think it's a Lonchesten. it's just it's an utter train wreck their flag it's like this uh like yellow green and blue nightmare of a thing with like with like plants versus zombie style figurines on top of the flag like i'm not even joking go check in the show notes it's just it's just crazy. So I don't know what's happened to Australia, and I don't know how Australia has snuck below the radar. And we all make fun of America with the terrible flags, when Australia is equally as bad. It's, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyhow, that was flag corner. Thank you for sending in the flags. Please do send in some more. Um, it's epic. I, I there's nothing I like more than complaining about terrible vexillology. <laughs> all right, man. Have you got anything else to add?
1: Um. I came across a really really terrible flag uh during the during the week um and I didn't take note of it at the time oh, and I cannot remember for the life of me what it was it was I think it was an autonomous region within somewhere else <laughs> um my my brain is saying like possibly East Africa somewhere Will I describe it and see if anyone, any of our intrepid listeners can can track it down? Man, that's a great idea. Do it. So what I remember was a rectangle, rectangular flag in pale blue. Not, as far as I remember, it wasn't dissimilar to the Somali flag in colour. Okay. Is is it the Somali flag? Is it the blue and white? Yeah, with the white star. So I think it was that kind of colour. At the fly, there was a white triangle um you know like in the flags of cuba etc that that kind of triangle
0: uh, uh fly or hoist sorry at the hoist right
1: jeez you never put one at the, at the fly no no that would be terrible um, it'd be sacrilege um at the hoist there was a white triangle um so pretty straightforward so far and in the triangle there was like pretty much a, a, a clip art or like a pixel art kind of thing of a guy on horseback. <laughs>
0: oh, great! So it was
1: this amazingly, amazingly simple design, and then this like one completely contrasting, completely clashing element.
0: Hmm. And, and that was that. That was the flag. That was the terrible flag.
1: That was the flag. Yeah. And like oh. it was, as I said, it was this fairly subtle kind of. Or, you know, fairly straightforward, inoffensive design and this one glaring element at the hoist.
0: Hmm. I am trying to Google for autonomous regions in Africa and I can't just... They don't just give me a list.
1: Now, it may not have been, like, a formally recognised autonomous region, then it might have been, mm. like, a kind of a region that declared independence or the the flag of a province. Right. Or, like, a... An, a, 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 a a sort of a transnational region, perhaps, like something that kind of cross borders, an area that's uh, ethnically defined rather than nationally defined, something like that.
0: Hmm. Yeah, listeners, if you can find it, let me know. Again, my Googling here is bringing up exactly nada. Um, so, yeah, do let us know.
1: So uh, we've returned to uh, Janspar. Okay, cool. This episode. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll read it out and then you can tell me what you picked up from it.
0: Mm -hmm. Go for it.
1: What do the moon and followers signify? That symbolism is disputed by the cultures of Janspar. In the frozen highlands of Yame, the land of sunless days and ancient glaciers, they see the moon and the followers as a great beast of prey pursued by hunters. Most commonly described as one of the great tusked loxons populating that country since anti-sermal times, the mammoth moon proceeds endlessly across the sky with the hunters doggedly following after. The bountiful mammoth is a creature of great importance to the Iamen, and this lunar tale represents their seasonal hunt and the constant struggle against the harsh lands they inhabit. Look child, the mammoth moon marches and the hunters shall follow. To chase the prey, to catch the prey, the hunters follow the moon. Extract from an Ayaman Cradle song. In Pirco, the moon is often described as a bird, a goose or a crane followed by its chicks. The moon and followers dominate the sky and in comparing their transit to the seasonal migration of the birds, these nomadic people teach their children to look at nature and to read the sky to learn about the world around them. This story emphasizes, too, the importance of family and kinship that binds the Percoan tribes together. Look at the moon, the great bird moon. Look at her chicks, the squabbling chicks. Follow the sky and you'll never be lost. Perkoan children's rhyme. In the great city of Silaca, the moon is a beauty pursued by a crowd of suitors. The Silicaes are famed for their passion and their love of love. The moon as a metaphor for captivating and often unattainable beauty is a common theme in Silicae's poetry since their very earliest writings. Once you were slender, the fragility of youth, a wisp of beauty unadorned. Time passed and you blossomed and in this bloom the promise of youth that last fulfilled. Time will pass and you will wane, yet in weakening days your beauty remains, lesser but no less lovely. Silky's love poem, circa early aor 1300. To the brutal and warlike people of central Oisindo, the moon is a mighty general and the followers are its retinue, marching to battle. The moon is a symbol of courage and perseverance, conquering forever in its passage across the sky, never ceasing in its campaign. The greatest warlords of this land fly banners with lunar motifs, drawing their armies to their wake as surely as the followers troop loyally behind the moon. The Lord of Stromono is proclaimed as conqueror, witnessed this day by the assembled priestly caste of the provinces and holdings. The lunar banner shall fly above his army, and command will be granted to him by all assembled lords and generals of the Sieth Conference. The Proclamation of Supremacy of Stromono, Sieth Conference, A.R. 1540. These four examples show how the same part of Janspar may be seen by diverse people and interpreted according to their own beliefs and needs. Creation is a text, and as with scripture or poetry, Many meanings may be drawn from the contents of that text. This is fundamental to the study of theology. Lecture notes, Luone Theological College.
0: Wow, man, that's class. Thank you. Jesus, that's that's really cool. Uh, I assume I've got this right in saying that uh, your moon uh, is it has uh there are more than one moon going on here uh well
1: what I'm imagining yes is that there's there's more than um one body there is a moon and there it's followers um I'm sure canny listeners can figure out what's going on there in terms of the building in terms of the space building. Or you could probably figure it
0: out. Yeah, I I mean, like, well, I don't need to figure it out. We talked about this last night. (laughs) Edgar! (laughs) But it's... uh, trying to maintain the facade. But I thought you were just asking... Last night you were asking... Yeah, sorry. Last night Bill was asking about Lagrange points for moons. I thought you were just curious. I didn't realise you were doing building, which is actually kind of cool. Uh, But my question here, right, if if it's the case that you have this moon and it has followers Mm -hmm. that may or may not be... Uh, other uh, full-bred moons, but just objects. Why is it that some cultures seem to just ignore those objects completely? Like, at the start, the moon and the followers are an important thing for for the people uh, in Iame at the start, and for the in the uh, uh, later Hiro. on. Right, later on. But then, at the end, it's just kind of like, the moon is like, uh, it symbolizes like, courage and all this reserve. and there's no ma- no mention made at all of the um, minor objects
1: it is the minor objects are its retinue or the retinue of the general
0: oh sorry I and mean, it was like that the previous time
1: there's a relationship in each in each case that a, in each example here
0: oh sorry I'm sorry I missed that sorry You've, okay so you have the Selaka are the crowd of suitors followers are the crowd yeah. of suitors and then, yeah, the retinue. Sorry, I did not pick it up. Pick up that at all. Um, that's it's a little bit class. The way you have essentially just like, uh, written how cultures will draw meaning from a- astrological, um, objects, uh, astronomical objects. I think that's a little class. It's really cool. Thanks, dude. Um, uh, w- w- what are your comments on it? Um
1: that's that's it exactly it's just <laughs> um i like to as you know i like to play around with the the in universe thing um and this is just four different perspectives on this astronomical phenomenon uh, or astronomical uh, objects and how it's described in in each of the cultures or at least how this particular priest in luo uh, is claiming that these four cultures describe them
0: where where are you drawing this from like are you just is this straight up like original invention or is it is there any earth analogs here for some of the symbolism
1: um no it's just just really me.
0: that's really good yeah. it seems really like realistic uh, i i realize like multiple moons is not realistic per se but uh, yeah, it just seems like the the, the symbolism they imbue in this system is yeah, it just it works really well. Why did you decide to write this?
1: Um, I I just had this idea about the moon and the followers for ages, and I I had in my head maybe two or three of these interpretations. Um, well, I think I had the I had the suitors and I had the general. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yesterday I came up with the whatever i needed else i needed to do and i wrote the little bits of of uh the little extracts little, the bits in italics that you always like
0: the little flavor text yes it's very yeah. good it's very good um yeah and oh, i meant to, about the the bits in italics uh how much uh, when you say like oh this bit is an extract from wherever whatever um is that just flavor text or is that is that actually the case like as in Do you reference stuff that you've already built, or do you just kind of go, "Ah, fuck it, this is from the book two of the great religious text of whatever"?
1: Uh, No, this was all written for this writing.
0: Okay, okay, so none of the sort of like the Silicalese poems and all—they don't exist.
1: They they do not as as of yet exist separate to to this this month's building. Do, um, do, you,
0: do you not get like a sense of completionist where like you write a thing and you're kind of like, well, now I need to flesh that thing out. And do you not get really annoyed yes. that? Oh, okay, right, you do. Because <laughs> I would get really annoyed. But also
1: I'm not actually a poet, so.
0: Man, you, you write fairly poetically or at least believably believable historic poetry. Um, oh, thank you. It it, it comes off grand, like um, it, it's not a problem. That's class. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm reasonably pleased with this month.
0: Yeah, I think this is uh one of your stronger ones as well. Thank you. Definitely, and I think people again because I you know I don't I don't do enough of the culture building. I think people will really enjoy the uh, the culture building aspects going on here, um because mm-hmm. this is this is the thing that I don't really yeah I don't do. Um, cool. A- any any final thoughts?
1: Um, as I said, this or as as it says in the in the text, it's um part of a lecture series on, on theology. I've spoken about the importance of, or I've mentioned the importance of theology within Yanspar before, have I?
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe. Do you want to refresh us?
1: Um, hold on, let me just check what, what I have put on the website so far. Uh, I suppose I haven't really.
0: Oh, that means you can't talk about
1: it. Well, theology is very important in in the intellectual world of Janspar. Okay. Is, is the is what
0: I'll say okay that's cool that's cool yeah again I'm sorry I'm sorry that like there's again, there's not much to discuss uh, about it. Um, uh, it it's like it, it is really good like don't take my lack of having <clears> questions <throat> as being all like well this is terrible or something it's yeah just the, the symbolism is great and yeah I really enjoy it and uh, let's see what the listeners think in the subreddit. absolutely okay so uh atmosphere building uh let's atmosphere building atmosphere building uh so made a video it was about uh alien atmospheres exo atmospheres um and uh, as always uh, i have some corrections i need to make and then i have a problem that i want to pose to you uh, and the listeners and see can we solve it together if the artifacts in hive mind can solve it Um, sure so corrections just really really quickly Uh, I misspelled the word Niflheim once in the video apologies (laughs) and I also uh, uh, said that HCl or I showed a uh, molecule of HCl uh, as having three atoms in it which is clearly bollocks because H is one atom and Cl is another atom it should be two so apologies for that but in the ground sorry
1: can you say that again
0: HCl, right, H- the, yeah. the molecule HCl, hydrogen chloride, yeah, is a two-atom molecule, a hydrogen and a chlorine, right? Yeah. Uh, but on screen, I had three atoms in the molecule um, because originally I was going to put HClO hydro i don't uh, even know what, what that is but there's an oxygen in there or if it,
1: it even exists
0: uh, no it, it exists um but uh, oh, okay. I, I contacted a chemist friend of mine and he was like yeah you need to swap that out and i didn't question him because he's a, he has a phd in chemistry so i'm just like yeah whatever you say man is correct so i swapped it out but forgot to change the graphics so th- sorry about that um th- those are two little mistakes to be fair though of all the mistakes I've made in the past, this is quite this is quite quite a good week. Like the failure rate, there's always going to be a background level of failure rate when you're a one man operation, um, mm-hmm. and it's really cool that this one was like not terrible. You know, no one was kind of going. Oh, by the way, everything you said is wrong, which is great. Um, the problem I have, the sort of neat world building thing that it, it might be worth solving, is I mentioned in the video that ice. Uh, Sinks on, oh Jesus, was it Niflheim or Clarks? I can't remember. But on one of the planets I, I talked about, um, the ice sinks. So the, the oceans will freeze from the bottom up, so to speak. Um, loads of people commented and were like, that's really problematic for life because, like, you know, fish will get crushed with the sinking ice. Uh, and like, mm-hmm. where, where do fish go when the lakes and oceans are frozen and all sorts of jazz? Um, I have thoughts and ideas about this, but I wanted to pass it over to you. What do you think? How would you solve this world-building conundrum
1: of sinking ice? Of
0: sinking, let's let's assume you have you have to you, your planet has to have this mechanic of ice being heavier than its liquid form. How do mm-hmm. you how do you not kill all your marine life?
1: Um, my question would be about the. The thermodynamics of a liquid like that um, would would you have sinking ice? Because why would it? Why would it freeze at the top and then sink? Surely you'd be more likely to just freeze lower because heat rises.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. So okay, sorry. Rephrase, rephrase, rephrase. Because uh, I am unsure about the thermo- What what is going on thermodynamically? Uh, take it as being uh, a system whereby the ice does not sit on top right yeah like it like that so when if we have a system where the ice does not sit on top of the liquid like it either sinks or it all just starts from the bottom up or whatever uh yeah. how do we compensate for that like regardless of of thermodynamically what's going on
1: well if if it's not actually sinking i don't see what the problem would be
0: well let's say so let's say it uh, freezes from the bottom up right Okay. That means eventually, it it, it could, if the if the body of water is shallow enough, it could just freeze the whole way up, all the way to the top. But sure,
1: if a you could say that about Earth, that since it freezes from the top down, then you could eventually freeze the whole way down.
0: So you don't see this as a problem at all. Like you're just kind of like, yeah. It's fine. I don't.
1: I don't know enough about the about like I like the thermodynamics of it like i don't know how it's actually going to function no. i don't think i have enough data to even think about it man
0: that's uh, that's actually a really interesting question i have not considered i am going to say text phd friend let's see what he says um that's really interesting because i was th- i began thinking i i'd never thought of that and i began thinking about stuff like what happens if the fish burrow like maybe there's burrowing fish that when it gets very very cold uh, they sense something, and they're kind of like, "Oh crap! There's a danger that I'll be encased in ice here." So let me burrow underground. Um, and then I started thinking about stuff like, well, hang on, plants and stuff—they get kind of encased in layers of snow regularly on Earth, and they survive. Mm-hmm. They have coping mechanisms. So I was like, "I wonder would marine life function like plant life? Then, like, like seasonally, they'll just disappear for a bit." Uh, and I had all these interesting ideas, but I I'd never never taught to question what the exact mechanics are it's very interesting though
1: yeah i just i uh, to me i couldn't even begin to see it as worth speculating about until i had answered some of those kind of questions
0: Hmm. yeah follow up for next time i'm definitely gonna follow this up next time um that's without that was my thing uh is there you watched the video is there anything that you you saw in the video that uh, you you want to bring up
1: uh, I wrote down one note as I watched it. Okay.
0: Oh, just one. This is good.
1: Yeah. And it was thermodynamics are freezing from the bottom. <laughs> up. So I think we've covered that.
0: <laughs> oh my God. It's going to be the world's shortest writer rooms. <laughs> uh,
1: great minds stink alike.
0: <laughs> uh, I will genuinely talk to my PhD friend. Or if there's any chemists in the subreddit, let us know. Um, I wouldn't, as a non-chemist, I wouldn't even know how to begin investigating that. Like how the hell is one? Like can one just Google? what does hydrogen chloride do when frozen? Or, like, I suppose you could, but do people play around with hydrogen chloride and often not? I don't know. Um, I'll do some digging for next time, though. Yeah? Cool. All right, uh, one last thing to flesh out this writer rooms, uh, writer room into something that is of some sort of an appreciable length <laughs> is I was knocking around Reddit uh, during the month and I saw a really cool post about cities links in the show notes there bill you can click on them and check it out mm-hmm. and links in the show notes for all the listeners as well um and essentially this they, they, there was an article about comparing the orientation of cities right so what they did was uh we imagine they they treated each city like a a 360 degree graph and they marked in what direction each of the roads were facing and then they plotted all the roads, and then you get it, like, you, that That it tells you something about, like, the layout of the city. So when you have, like, a extremely, like, constructed sort of city, or planned city, like, say, Manhattan, uh, Manhattan Island being the case in point, uh, the graph tends to be very north to south, east to west, because everything is very, everything is very gridded. Uh, whereas if you have, like, some of the old, more old world cities, like Rome and things like that, it's just chaos of roads everywhere. And the grid mm-hmm. looks almost like a cool, like Star Wars type logo symbol sort of thing, <laughs> like almost like the you know the thing that Orchard D Two plugs into constantly. Like that, it looks like that. And I thought this was a really cool little world building thing to to bring up. Like um, you should read the article, and you should think about like what uh, layouts of cities can tell us about a world. Because, like I said, mm-hmm. the uh, the layout of Manhattan. Is a like a very modern construct, whereas the layout of like Dublin is not. It happened organically over time, and it's messy, and the streets go in all sorts of crazy directions, and it's just it just keeps growing almost organically. So that's I think that's a very interesting point. You should check out the uh, the 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 link in the show notes.
1: Yeah, um, I'm going to point out a, a slight error, Edgar. Oh no. Manhattan doesn't run very neatly north south east west. Oh, if, we, if we look,
0: Oh, it's gonna run like oh, it's gonna be across. It's gonna be like it's gonna run like what, like north east to southwest or something.
1: North north northeast to south.
0: Ah, oh, you big yeah
1: north northeast.
0: Your massive pedantic git, Bill.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you see, th- this is interesting, right? Because it has the same kind of layout as. The Chicago, Cleveland, Los Angeles—well, no, Los Angeles is a bit different. I say Chicago, Cleveland, Minneapolis, but where they are exactly north, south, east, west, Manhattan isn't because Manhattan is built on an island that is tilted, like slightly on a kind of a north-northeast mm-hmm. angle yeah. axis. Yeah. So it's following. It's still following a grid pattern, but it's changed to be tilted from a straight north-south by the the fact that the island is is
0: runs that way. Yeah, yeah. And like if the graph shows up as a cross, whatever whatever the rotation of that cross is, it's it's a grid pattern basically. Um yeah. it just depends on the orientation. Man, I'd love to know what the hell is going on with Charlotte. I'm assuming that's Charlotte Virginia. Uh those who are, who who can't look at the show notes. It's essentially it's just lines everywhere. Um Mhm. And I don't know what like does that mean? It it's almost as if Shard has an equal distribution of streets orientated in all directions, which yeah, is, which is like oh, I'm just going to Google Maps. This is bizarre. Um, see what's mental is that looks like a regular European city to me. <laughs> But it looks so alien for American cities because American cities I see what you mean. Because American cities tend to be so like uh gridded. Uh and yeah. Charlotte sticks out like a sore thumb, but it's kinda like, oh, it looks like Dublin. <laughs> and it was funny in the Reddit comments for this uh for this uh article, like Americans, uh maybe Canadians as well, but like North Americans, we're losing uh we're losing it over what European cities were doing, they were kind of like, how do you find your way around? How can anyone live in this chaos? And I remember I remember thinking like, but it's not chaos. Like it's, you just, it's you just know where to go. Like <laughs> what's wrong? <Yeah. laughs> and also like the idea that none of our cities has street signs as well. That doesn't make it any worse for us. We just all know where to go, which is bizarre. Um,
1: if anything, I think putting, like imposing a, a grid system is unnatural. It doesn't, like, follow the lay of the land. It doesn't follow the contours of the earth. It doesn't follow the paths of rivers and things.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't mean that... But in following the contours of the land, that doesn't make it more economical. Like, it doesn't make it easier That's... to navigate. Like, what What about, like, going around No, but the it's, hills? It's,
1: it's an unnatural imposition.
0: Oh, yeah, no, totally. It's, it's just, like, level everything, lads. Let's put a grid on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, go go check out the, the links in the show notes, and I think it'd be a very interesting thing to do for anyone who's world built cities before, um, to see, uh, to map your city to one of these graphs and see what where your city comes out at. Um, I think that'll be a really, I, I that's the thing I would find very very interesting. Um, mm-hmm.
1: what I find really interesting in this is if you look at not not all of them, but certainly most of them. Mm-hmm. The even when there isn't um, actually no let me, let me think about how to phrase this. Most of these cities will have a fairly strong uh, X or cross. It won't necessarily be angled north to south. Mm-hmm. It might be tilted off that. But it, it you would agree most most yeah. of will have that.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Um, if we look at ones like if, let's say Philadelphia from this graph here.
0: Philadelphia. So there's... Where, hold on. Where is Philadelphia? Between
1: Orlando and Phoenix. It's in the, the fourth row, second one in.
0: Oh, I see it. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah. If we look at that, so we, they say it's divided into quadrants and there's like two shorter ones within each quadrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, and a longer one and then an even shorter one. Yeah. And in each quadrant, those are offset 90 degrees from each other. They're making a little X of their own, a little like evenly spaced cross of their own.
0: Oh, yes, they are.
1: If we look at um, St. Louis, it's the same. If we look at San Francisco, it's the same. The the irregularities from the, ov- like from the most dominant 90 degree kind of X will themselves tend to be at right angles to each other.
0: Yeah, so clearly what's going on there, like I haven't looked at any of these maps, uh, so I don't know, but... I would imagine that it's you have like the city is laid out on the, on its dominant axis so that would be the strong cross and then the terrain will will necessitate uh some areas to have the grid pattern like slightly twisted somewhere uh in a way
1: yeah that's definitely um, what... but if we look if we look even at the european ones or the 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 world ones that he links um at the bottom of the the original post here um it even happens in World cities, like like non American cities, that wouldn't have the same kind of layout. If we look at Paris, for example, which is the first one in the the fourth row down, that it's it's a lot less obvious, but you can see that there is a pattern there that it does tend to. Yeah,
0: but man, man, at the same time, sure. Look at like like, do you class Berlin as being following that pattern?
1: To an extent, yeah. Okay. Because there's there's kind of a, there's a ninety degree rotational symmetry to it uh i think that's kind of neat melbourne is quite strong i suppose that would be quite a modern planned city Um, rome not really but i i think what's interesting about that is it it seems to suggest that roads tend to meet at right angles to each other
0: that would be the yeah that would be what i would take away from it let let me have hold on let me have a quick look let me have a quick google of berlin uh fyi i will i appreciate that it's linked Uh, The the international cities are linked in the same article, but I put in two different show notes for people. Um, It might be easier. Uh, Yeah. Let's see. Okay, now let me look at Berlin. Do you know what I find actually the most interesting thing? Is how, like, because when you look at the likes of Manhattan, right, you can kind of immediately think, you can immediately see how that city relates to its graph. But when you look at Berlin, you're kind of like, how did they get that graph from this city? Because it is mm. just chaos. Like, it's chaos all over the gaff. It's crazy. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's mad. And like, you can only really see those patterns when it's graphed. Because, again, looking at the map, you can't really see any pattern. Um, but yeah. I guess you're right about the roads meeting at 90-degree angles um, for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> any other points? No. Um, go check it out. Uh, fun, fun experiment. Uh, apply it to your world, apply it to your cities, see what you come out, and post the results in the subreddit. We'd love to see.
1: I went to a number of places. I went to Edinburgh.
0: Oh very good. beautiful. City. And then I went
1: to York.
0: another beautiful city.
1: and then I went to London.
0: a less beautiful city, but two out of three is all right. <laughs>
1: It has many beautiful areas. There's, just, uh, there's a bit too much of it to be consistently beautiful.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, for anyone who doesn't live in, in England, this is... these are uh, Edinburgh is a city in Scotland. I'm pretty sure everyone knows this, but York, maybe not, won't be that renowned. It's a northern England... A city in northern England, and London is obviously London. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Uh, I take it this is going to see brother, going to see old college friends, going to some museums. <laughs> Yeah, largely. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, museum talk, here we go. Um. Well, I
1: actually didn't do that much museum compared to what I usually would. <laughs> okay. Um. Because by the time I got to London, I had been on the go for nearly a week and I was just really tired. So mm. I didn't really have that much energy and stamina to go around a museum for, for hours on end. Um,
0: Jesus, hours in the museum, Bill? Holy s***. Sh- what <laughs> i said i've been to uh, museums before and i would say i spend 30 minutes in the museum <laughs> like the concept of multiple hours is just like what you, what is there to see like okay there's loads to see but it's kind of like it's like you read the plaque of one thing you read the plaque of another thing and then you go home and google about it like it's just like i don't know I, I, like i said i don't get museums at all <laughs> But did did you um, did you enjoy your trip?
1: I enjoyed my trip very much. Cool. Um, I climbed some tall things in Edinburgh. Oh, and it was pretty yes. Cool. Now
0: we talk about this because this is kind of a sort of pastime. Well, not pastime, but it's kind of a passion project of mine to try and climb tall things. What did you What did you climb?
1: Uh, I climbed Arthur's Seat, which is an extinct volcano, like pretty much in the middle of Edinburgh. Shut like it's, up! It's, it's built all around. Yeah, it's dope.
0: Oh wow! It's, okay, it's, what's its height?
1: Um, I don't know. Okay, googling. Hold on. It's like 15, 20 minutes to
0: to get up it. Um. Okay, so I I believe. It, okay, so Arto uh, seat is two hundred and fifty one meters. So it's a quarter of a kilometer. Um. Are you? Someone's going to need to convert that into miles for for American people. I don't know. Um. The, just to brag a little bit, the tallest I have ever climbed is, uh, is Bukhan Sand in, in Seoul, and that's uh, just shy of 900 meters, which is pretty cool. Uh, Heck. Yeah, now I'm... No, actually, that's... that's now, not is high. that
1: is that from... Were you starting
0: at sea level? Yeah, you see, I don't know. I'm All I'm doing is I'm looking at what is the height of Bukhan Sand, but immediately I I'm met with problems like the sea level thing and also... We didn't climb, I don't know if we climbed the tallest peak on the thing, um, because there's different peaks you can climb. So maybe, let's make it a bit more conservative and say maybe 700 meters, something like that. Okay. Um, But that was fun. And every time we go anywhere, I'm always kind of like, can we climb a really big thing? Like when I was in Colorado, I was kind of like, can I go climb the uh, Continental Divide, please? (laughs) But What's then, the I, continental divide? It's the Rockies. Uh, it's uh, it's yeah, it's just just uh, outside Denver, you, you've got a huge like mountain range, um, and you can go climb the things, but it's not a good idea to do so. I don't think, anyways, or at least that's why I didn't pursue it, uh, an awful lot when I was there because when you're in Colorado, you're already way above sea level as is, mm-hmm. and then you climb more mountains, and I'm kind of like, oh, this isn't just a fun jaunt up some mountains this is a serious activity and I was kind of like yeah, maybe not <laughs> wait for next time but that's cool man art seat deadly buzz
1: and I did another hill called Calton Hill which has a lot of dope stuff on top of it Um, it's got a half finished Greek temple in Edinburgh uh, yeah <laughs> what? and it has uh, there's bits of like old castles there there's uh, the Scottish Observatory, there's a monument to, or a memorial to Lord Nelson, um, which is like a tower built on top of Calton Hill. And I think there's a pretty good view from the top of it. But I was really exhausted and I'd already climbed the hill and just didn't feel like climbing another stairs. Although I usually like to go up spires of cathedrals and things, just I wasn't in the mood that day. um, And I saw something exceedingly cool I'll actually I'll get, I'll get the photos here so oh. I can describe it properly he saw him um, right uh I swore I would not talk about that um where are we? yeah so there, there's a a stone pillar on Carlton Hill and it's a little bit away from the other things on on the hill and hmm. it's a cairn that was built by the keepers of the vigil for a Scottish Parliament Okay. Uh so so there was like this this pillar and there was I, I assume there was a like a light, a fire kept burning on it. Uh, from the night of the tenth of April nineteen ninety-two, uh, which was when the, the Tories won a general election in the United Kingdom. And the the vigil was maintained for one thousand nine hundred and eighty days until what? September nineteen ninety-seven, when Uh, Scotland voted to have its own parliament. So when they got like the devolved Scottish government within the UK.
0: Wow. Uh, uh, Pictures of this? Have you got some pictures?
1: Uh, Yeah. Actually, I'll send them to you on... Or or um,
0: tell me what to Google.
1: uh, No, I'll send them to you on on Messenger. So I've sent several to you there.
0: Oh my God. Okay.
1: Yeah. So one is from um, the house of Robbie Burns, the national poet of Scotland uh, there's oh. one from uh, it says paving stone from Paris used for defending democracy uh, I don't know exactly the context of that but I guess it's from some maybe like the, the riots in the 60s or something there's a stone cool. from Auschwitz in memory of a Scottish missionary who died in Auschwitz Um, and there's one from the castle of uh, Robert the Bruce
0: Hmm, that's mad
1: it is really cool man, yeah man,
0: I, lo- I love this like the, the the language uh like just for anyone who's not gonna see these do we put these in the show notes
1: uh yeah you can put them
0: in the show notes all right cool so for anyone who can't go to the show notes for whatever reason um one of the plaques reads this stain with tay fray the mouchlin haim or robert burns and Jane Armour during during the renovation in nineteen sixty six, the bicentenary owe the poets Date. The rank is but the guinea stamp and the man's the goud for a dat. Like it's really cool. I was gonna say it's really so, Scottish, but that's like it's obviously really Scottish.
1: Yeah, like it's not in English, it's in Scots.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. But it's like it's it's mutually intelligible intelligible, which is bad. If
1: you read it slowly, I can I, I can figure it out um there's another one there's a a poem by by Hugh McDiarmid uh is it offensive for me to try and actually read this like is it is it make does it seem like making fun of of Scotland for me to try and read this as I think it's meant to sound like I'm not trying to do the accent I'm just trying to read the language as it's pronounced I don't know so uh, apologies if it is um
0: no man man I I I I think your your intentions are good you're not setting out to take the piss album, so I think it's fine
1: okay because you know, genuinely I, th- I think this is this is really pretty uh for we have faith in scotland's hidden pools the present's theirs but all the past and the future's is ours that's another one of the that's a poem that's on on the cairn which i think is, is really lovely um and you know really celtic cool. solidarity i've you know strong feelings about that so it, uh, it was it was good from from that point of view
0: do you remember do you remember um, i was telling you about doing my ancestry yes yeah, the um, we just when you when you mentioned Celtic solidarity, I just wanted like uh, put it out there. Um, uh, my family is pretty convinced that part of my family, uh, family's line, comes from Scotland. Apparently, it there's some French in there, there's some Scottish in there. Like this is on my Irish side, um, mm-hmm. and I kind of felt a bit uh, when I heard that. I was kind of like, that's a bit. Of, it is a bit of Celtic solidarity. It's kind of like, look at us Celts go. This is class. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I suppose
1: where you're from w- it would make sense for there to be a, a Scottish influence there.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, consider yeah, Especially considering we're so close to the north because the, the story yeah. is that they came down through the north and then came to where we are now. Um, do, do you have a border with Donegal? Like, we do have a border with Donegal, and apparently yeah. they came through Donegal.
1: Yeah, yeah, because Donegal is like a... It, there was a lot of land there given to, to the Galoglay so that would make sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um cool. which I think is really cool. I think it's really fun. Um, cool trips man.
1: Yeah. Um, can I talk about one other yeah. thing I went to? Uh or one course. other museum I went to I went to the National Maritime Museum. Um <laughs> you know how I love my like <laughs> okay. ships and, and boats and things. Uh you do. So that that was pretty great. Um they had a big exhibit on the Battle of Jutland from the First World War, which I didn't know anything about, which was the, like, the huge naval encounter between the German fleet and the British Royal Navy fleet, which was uh, a total mess and kind of claimed as a victory by both sides. Like, like One side like did way more damage to the other. And didn't do that much damage to themselves. But they were prevented from achieving their strategic goals. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that way. Um, and there was a big exhibit on the the life of Nelson. And the Navy at the time of Nelson. Uh, and it included Nelson's uniform that he was wearing when he got killed. Which was pretty class. Um, but uh, really bizarrely for a... Uh, institution that you think would have a handle on these issues they seem to not really grasp the meaning of Britain <laughs> well, there, how they, several, how get there were wrong? several different like maps and things where it showed the entirety of Great Britain and Ireland and referred to what was being portrayed in the map as Britain like now if okay, they had said I'm... the United Kingdom you know for what they were referring to at the time, Fair enough. It was the United Kingdom. If they had even said the British Isles, not a term I'm a fan of, but that's what people use. And I was in London, so I can, you know, I will accept that they will use Mm -hmm. terminology I don't necessarily agree with. Fair enough. But no, it was the island of Britain and the island of Ireland being referred to as Britain.
0: So hang on now, but Britain, Britain has, is Britain just, is just the island, Yeah.
1: Great Britain is the island.
0: Yeah. Now, is there a difference between Great Britain and Britain? Not really. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's yeah, that's a bit of a. And it was has, has it always been the case that Great Britain uh, was the island? That like there was no there was never. I don't a time know when they started
1: the world... using that name. I think it started being used in the 1600s.
0: Okay. Yeah. Jesus, that's that's a bit mad. That they don't understand these things that's pretty weird
1: <laughs> and I also heard a bunch of teenagers like English local teenagers um say ask their teacher what's the difference between being British and being English
0: what did what what did the teacher say
1: the teacher said oh well he thought about it for a second and then he said well you see Great Britain includes Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland which it doesn't
0: Oh, because Great Britain is the is the island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
1: Scotland and Wales and doesn't include Northern Ireland. So he, I had to I corrected him. And he you, was like, oh.
0: Did you correct the teacher? Yes. Man, oh my God. Oh my now, God. What are you me doing? Me being me,
1: I, I misspoke and I, I said it the wrong way around because, you know, I, I I was really annoyed and I wanted to correct him because he, he was being wrong and, you know, er, erasing no. stuff that exists. Man, um, you know the so bill. I said it wrong. Oh, but then I corrected myself and said it right. And then he said, oh, actually, yes, the gentleman is correct.
0: Bill, you're, I, okay, I, I, okay, look, it's a noble cause, right? It's a no, like, being right is a noble cause, right? And, and, uh, and the prevention of this... And the disinfra- it's
1: not about, it wasn't about being right, it was about anti-colonialism.
0: Right, okay, yeah, okay, no, that, that's fine. And uh, you're going to hate me for arguing against this, right? But the, but the poor man, right? Like, he's here, <laughs> like, you've undermined his authority over this pack of wild animals, like, t- don't don't undermine the entirety of a teacher, man. They're bo- they're barely holding on as is. And whose fault is that? His. <laughs> well, I w- well I would say it's the fault of the fact that uh, little humans are wild animals, uh, and then it doesn't matter how correct or how good you are. Uh, little humans are nightmares. Uh, how how old were these people? Were they like? uh little 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 humans or were they like teenagers no like 16. oh okay well then yeah correct the way sorry sorry I, I, when you said that I had, a, I had an image of like little eight-year-olds
1: oh no boys. teenagers
0: I I missed the sorry I missed the word teenager okay're you you're right okay correct the way it's all good um <laughs> yeah that's that's weird that they wouldn't know what Britain was given that they're British. Um, mm. And it also makes me. I always thought, like, I always wondered why the hell did CGB Gray's uh, the United Kingdom explained video, his first video, do so well? Because I was kind of like, what is it about this video that garnered him, however many millions of views? Apparently, I know now.
1: No one knows. There, there is, there is something. There, I do have a few gripes with that video. I remember. I, I, I can't bring them to mind right now, but there, there, are, I did have some disagreements with it.
0: Uh, oh, it'd be really interesting if you didn't know what they were was it was i think
1: it... I think he uses the term
0: British Isles
1: completely uncritically. He doesn't like acknowledge any kind of controversy about that, even though it's actually a term that's not used by the British government
0: right, right, yeah, yeah, uh... and
1: I think he only refers to the the state of Ireland as the Republic of Ireland. He doesn't mention that the actual name of the country is ireland the republic of ireland is a descriptor of the country yeah he, the country's name is ireland
0: he is on record as having said that that was a mistake on his part um, yeah but he he said something that like because he he is a, he is irish right he has an irish passport and cgp uh, gray does yeah he's yeah that, that's one of the reasons why he's living in in london because his irish passport opened up the eu to him um okay but, but he's he's
1: like all of america
0: He's off of America, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's his right. past or whatever that was Irish. Um, but he, he's on record as having said that, like, he checked his passport and noted what the country was called. And then yeah. in the production process, it just became the Republic of Ireland or whatever. And he got into a, like, a disagreement with someone online who was all like, you're tiredly wrong. It's called Ireland. He was like, I'll check my passport. And the, the guy is like, fine, do so. And he did and was like, Sh- I guess it is called iron. So I think that, that's just a genuine mistake on this part. But like, it's not, oh, yeah. it's not the biggest thing in the world. Like, but anyhow, yeah. Muse- any other museum uh, stories?
1: Um, any more museum stories? Uh, no, uh, I went to the Imperial War Museum. Uh, the World War Two stuff is really worth a look there. Um, while I was in London, there was a giant inflatable Jeff Goldblum on display near Tower Bridge. Why? I have not figured out why, but do you know that that iconic scene from Jurassic Park after the T-Rex attack where they're all in the control room and he's lying in a seductive pose for no earthly reason and his shirt is mostly open for no earthly reason. You know that scene? No.
0: Uh...
1: Okay, well, it's, it's iconic. And it was that scene. It was that Jeff Goldblum that was built like 30 foot tall. And I went to see it and it had only been there for two days, and I missed it. Huh. And I was
0: gutted. Why are they doing this? Like, why is... What's the internet's fascination with Jeff Goldblum? Oh, I do know that thing. <laughs> yeah. You recognise it, yeah? I do recognise it, yeah. Now that you... Actually, at no point did I uh, think that that was weird when watching the film, but now that I see it as a still, and the way you've described it, kind of like that is really strange. Like, why is he... Why is he lying there, like, paint me like one of your French girls? Um,
1: yeah, it's bizarre. It, I love it. It's, it's really weird.
0: <laughs> what is it with, why does the internet seem to have a fascination with Jeff Golden? What is it?
1: It's, it's, he's had a resurgent recently, hasn't he? Yeah. And um, I guess everyone just seems to have a crush on him and he's very cool.
0: But he's, but he's very not attractive. Do you reckon? Oh, uh, he is not what w- would be considered uh, classically attractive. Lots of people disagree, Edgar. Oh, no. but Lots of people are wrong. Like, look at all of these... No, no man. It's just... It's... No, it's just... I'm, I'm seeing some pictures of him... Re- no, 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 no. He's not attractive. I don't... I will not hear anything otherwise. Um. You, you wouldn't
1: date Jeff Goldblum?
0: I would not date Jeff Goldblum. Despite the fact that he... uh Is wanting to uh, show off his torso. <laughs> um
1: And he would... I, I think... I think it started a little bit or was helped a little bit by him being in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 last year I think that uh, raised his profile a bit again uh, Okay, see, and I he's didn't very good in that. that I did not he's very that. very good in that okay. and he's just he's doing a lot of like uh, viral stuff and kind of fun internet stuff recently I think
0: okay yeah uh, I'm a big fan yeah man freaking eventful eventful trip in uh... wait no I can't butcher it I was going to say Great Britain but that's correct uh <laughs> eventual, uh, uh eventual, no, uh, eventful trip in Scotland, and Scotland being all of that island.
1: <laughs> um, Scotland and occupied southern Scotland.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's just no mention of Wales. Just like,
1: <laughs> well, I, I didn't go to Wales. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's fair. Yeah,
1: Scotland occupied southern
0: Scotland. Oh, it's hilarious. Um, anything else,
1: Uh, I flew back through Southend Airport. Um, don't fly through Southend Airport.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what happened in Southend Airport, Bill?
1: Uh, i was delayed for many hours and actually every flight that went from that airport that day was delayed and i think one or two were cancelled definitely one was cancelled mm, that's not good yeah so i was i was originally meant to fly at half six and i got an email the night before saying it had been moved to half nine i was like okay you know fine they let me know in advance i didn't have anything else to do that day anyway so i just i went to the airport on time and uh, just watched a load of tv mm-hmm. um and I, didn't, I actually ended up not flying. That's a very strange way to construct that sentence. Uh, in the end, I didn't fly until after half 11.
0: After half, that's not great. It's not great.
1: So it was a, it was a uh, more than five hour delay. Who
0: was your, who was the airline?
1: Uh, well, I booked with Flybe and I ended up flying with Aer Lingus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not so, sure how.
0: So so Flybe obviously like ran too late and they had to like pawn off their passengers to a different provider. Pretty
1: much, but it was it wasn't like an Air Lingus Aer Lingus. It was Air Lingus operated by Stobart Air, so <laughs> there's a lot of different stakeholders in the my eventually getting home.
0: Oh my god! I oh, Bill, I hate I I feel for you because I hate flying so much. I hate the entire experience of flying. I hate airports. I hate everything about it, and all of that just brings back terrible memories of being stuck in airports and things being delayed, and it's just it's just awful. I hate it. Um, I'm sorry about that, man. Other than that, it sounds like a wonderful adventure.